Everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Today was bonkers. <laughs> Today was epic. Gab, what are you drinking? Uh, water right now, but um, during the the USA Sweden game earlier, I was drinking coffee and Bailey's. I switched over to Moscow Mules in the second half. Like, oh my god, I feel it's only five o'clock, and I feel like I've aged five years today. What are What are you enjoying? Well, I couldn't drink during the USA game because I had to recap it. And then I had to take an emotional break so I couldn't watch (laughs) (laughs) Germany-China while I was waiting for Canada-France because I knew Canada-France would test me again emotionally. (laughs) Like, you can't go two hours, two hours, two hours just the whole time, you know? I was was totally playing to. I took today off of work. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go, like, be social for the first match. And then... You know, I'll come back home and I'll, like, be productive for matches, like, two, three, and four. Oh, my God. Well, first off, USA-Sweden lasted a million hours because it's 120 minutes of play and then PKs and Hope Solo's gamesmanship um, at the end there. And so, yeah, and then I had to go, like, take a drive just to, like, clear my head and not be, like, mad. That game between extra time, penalty kicks, and then all the hoo-ha afterwards mm-hmm. made it feel like the whole thing lasted four hours. I'm just happy that that was the first match of the day so that we can continue to talk about it all fucking day. You know what? I would be on tenterhooks if it were in the evening. I mean, if it were in the evening, we'd still be waiting for it, and the United States wouldn't be out of the Olympics, and maybe right. they would actually win. I don't know. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe I should think about the team's needs. (laughs) They would still be in the Olympics for like six more hours. God damn. God damn. God damn. Like, it's not like Jill Ellis pulled no punches with that lineup, though. So here's the thing. (laughs) I mean, Crystal Dunn coming off the bench. I think she, she... packs a particular punch that way i think she finally did she hasn't been as punchy up until i want to say the last game of group i think that was her settling into her first big tournament a little bit um but once she settled in i thought she was one of the the best attacking options that we had i really liked her in this game i liked her with mal Pugh both together and separately I think if we'd had a better midfield option, like if Carly Lloyd were having a better day, or if Ali Long were pushed a lot higher, then maybe that Pew and Dunn combo works out differently. And God, I I was slightly uh, frustrated by Pew and Dunn though, because I felt like they had led feet today. Hmm. You know, like they they were always just touching the ball a little too hard. And so either causing a turnover or, you know, playing the ball out of bounds or just something. And I was just like, oh, my God, I know what you want to do. And I was like, 
I can't tell if it's nerves, if it's the bad pitch, if it's just like the tempo of the game they're not used to. A lot of people had bad touches though. I I come back to Carly Lloyd. A lot of times I noticed that she was carrying the ball through the midfield, but it was such an effort because the ball was getting away from her and she was having to like stretch farther and farther and hustle harder and harder to keep it out of the feet of the French. And yeah, sometimes in the end she'd get the pass off and sometimes she wouldn't because the thing about Carly Lloyd is, and I think a lot of people have noted, she's a big game player usually, but that means that she's a player who's noted for the moments that she creates. She's not an overall consistent player. You know, she'll just hang in the background sometimes for 80 minutes and all of a sudden, bow with the uppercut, you know? Well, kind of like she did today, except she was called offsides. Yeah. Like, had that had that goal in, like, the 80th minute or 82nd or whatever it was, had that counted, that would have been the game-changing. That, that would have been Carly Lloyd's moment. Yeah, you're right. Um, I see some people who say they think maybe she got called for a foul on that one instead of being called off. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't think that's... Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, I thought it was a tussle in the box regardless. Yeah. But, I mean, I thought that she was called off, and then on the replay, you know, Lada got miscalled on the offsides as well. So I was like, well, one for one. Yeah. You know? But if the first call's correct, it's 2-1, momentum of the game entirely shifts. Instead of attacking, you get to go into defending, blah, 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 blah. The game of what right. if is endless, because you could also talk about what if Tobin Heath hadn't been exiled to right back. Or what if Megan Rapino wasn't brought in as a, a waste of a sub. Right? It's And had zero impact on the match. It only didn't turn out worse than it was because of the new rules that say you get a fourth sub during extra time. I wonder if Pino wouldn't have been subbed in had Jill only had three subs. Like, uh, granted, she was subbed in well into regulation and it's it's hard to foresee oh I'm, i'll be able to take her out again but i was just like are you serious like i don't understand why megan rapino even played today people kept pointing out you know she's had some good crosses her her set piece delivery has been okay but it wasn't like consistently good and Mm-mm. she didn't even last 30 minutes she looked tired at the end of 30 minutes she had a good 20 maybe well, I mean, a good 20 being that she stayed on her feet for 20 minutes, but she's a liability when she's out there. And then the only the only component of Megan Rapinoe's performance today that I remember vividly is when she tried to be her old self and juke a player and wasn't able to get her legs and her feet to actually do it <sighs> and kicked it out and like didn't even go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. And I was just like, Pino is me. Like, when I go out and I'm just playing for fun, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this play. That's going to be totally awesome. And then I realized my body actually can't do what my head thinks it can do. And that's what happens when you're still coming back from ACL and you can barely manage 30 minutes. Right. Like, the Olympics shouldn't have been her come back like keep her on the sideline as the fucking emotional support of this team 
But in no way, shape, or form is Megan Rapinoe going to be the Megan Rapinoe that we knew from last year's World Cup or even, God forbid, the 2012 Olympics. Like, Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, even Carly Lloyd, like, those players have their tournaments. And we just cannot rely on those players repeating their performances tournament after tournament, especially four years later. Yeah, this was supposed to be the 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 tournament where Crystal Dunn gets to like come to the forefront, Mel Pugh, Lindsay Huron, you know, Christian Press, and now what do we remember? Wow, remember that tournament where Press pulled a Carlos? Remember that tournament where Jill turned Press into a last ten minute sub, which completely robbed her of any confidence, and then made her the fifth kicker in a penalty shootout, like. When she walked up and you looked at her face, she did not yep. look confident. I did not feel... I mean, it's easy to say now, but at the time, I genuinely was like, she's going to miss this. Yep. And I didn't I was tweet- like, right down the middle. Yeah. I, I, I was just like, she's going to play this one right down the middle. And I didn't tweet it because I was like, I don't need to put that kind of bad juju out there. But it happened anyway. I wanted Tobin to take the fifth kick. Like, why is Morgan taking the first one? <sighs> I really think it was a bad move. You remember when we had that friendly, I think it was against Columbia, and Jill started Tobin Heath at right back, and she was like, oh, I want to simulate this condition where we're down, we need a goal, and I have to put Tobin in the in the back line for this reason. And yeah. it was kind of okay against Columbia, but this was a game against a different opponent, and it was very clear it was not working, and she had plenty of time to fix the situation and move Tobin back into the left midfield where she would have made a ton of difference. <sighs> It's infuriating, like, that we're back to blaming the coach. I think it wasn't just one thing. You can't just say this one thing Jill Ellis did ruined this game. There were a lot of little things cumulatively that in the moment or, like, based on the, the context surrounding them, you could go, okay, I can see why that happened. And then they all added up to create this game and this loss. Well, yes, and especially against this team right like sweden is familiar with us and to us like one of the most familiar probably as familiar as canada is yeah very familiar and also now with three games from group three games worth of game footage for them to analyze and be able to pick out what everyone else was picking out you know yeah and at at the end of the day like i don't really want to dive too much into comments made after the game but Mm. pia set her team up to make it a situation where all it takes is one chance you know whereas we're rapid fire like we're like okay if we create enough chances something is bound to go in i yeah i think all the pressure was on the united states to win and none of the pressure was on sweden except to basically not lose if that makes sense absolutely and you know it's Sweden just got beat up by Brazil. Sweden got handled by Brazil 5-1. to one. Yeah, and so if Sweden can come in and just maintain this game and manage this game, you know, I was expecting Sweden to come in way more physical than they were. No, instead they and kind they, of, yeah. And they, and they absolutely were physical, but I was expecting, like... More physical than that? More physical, yeah. I was expecting, like, the Sweden that plays a little dirty. 
You know, well, like we know Seeger can play dirty. I think that yellow card on, on Lotta is what kind of nipped it in the bud. Because yeah. it showed their ref was like, I don't care who does it. Lotta didn't really commit a yellow card offense, but she's paying for everybody else's sins. So here you go. Yeah, the ref was just like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to have to like, manage this shit for the rest of the match. Yeah. It was a very frustrating match. Well, Alex Morgan, pretty isolated from time to time. The more Pew kind of drifted into the center and was able to pick her out, the more involved she got. And I feel mm-hmm. like Dunn was searching for her as well. But as active as Tobin Heath was, her service didn't find Alex really all that much. Even though I wanted Tobin moving back into the midfield, especially on the left side as opposed to the right, she was very active until you got to the end product, and then the final incisive pass, the final touch, was just not there. Yeah. It was very similar USA play to when they played Columbia, in that we're just creating chaos in the box and hoping that something goes in. And... You know, while I'm all for creating chances, I'm like, somebody has got to be the target. And I think what this is doing, like, a, a, a thought I had during the match around, like, the the 70th minute is I was like, oh, my God, I actually want to be able to sub Abby in. Because I want them to actually have a fucking target. Yeah, not necessarily Abby, but that Abby player... Right, right. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, 35-year-old Abby Wambach, but it could be, okay, we're going to play Crystal Dunn in the middle. Instead of forcing her outright. Yeah, and forcing her to make crosses that, unfortunately, she, like, poor Crystal Dunn can't make a left-footed cross. <laughs> but then she played on the left side for, like, 10 or 10 minutes or so. And I was just like, guys, this isn't, this isn't good. Not a lot of people on that team had a good day, I would say. No, Becky, like Sauerbrunn, and JJ, that goal was just like, come on, like, guys, Sweden's not that fast. I think Morgan Bryan had, I feel like her first half was better than her second half, but she she had two different roles, and she got pushed back into that DM role again in the second half. Um, Yeah, because they took long out. Yeah, I thought Pew and Dunn did it pretty okay. You know, like you pointed out, done. the final pass wasn't quite there. People couldn't quite get on the end of the ball. Haran, I'm not going to say. I don't think she had enough time, really, to make as much no. of a difference. Lloyd, not a good day. Morgan, too isolated, really, to say, I think. I, I feel like Morgan was creating her own chances. There was that one where at the, at the end, I was like, oh, this is it. This is going to be classic Alex Morgan, because she got the ball. She ran deep, right? She Beat had to keeper. Def- yeah. But And it was at that crazy angle that she, you'd be like, oh, there's no way she's going to score. This is like such an acute angle. She'd be like, that's what you think. Pow! But no, it went to the side netting. I was like, oh, it's it's not Alex Morgan time. I, I thought it was going to be that too, though. We all did. We all did. I mean, we're so used to this fucking spectacular comeback by the women's national team. USA. By the USA. And it didn't happen. We were all, I think even until we hit penalty kicks, like right before then, I um, I still was like, okay, well, we're just going to score late, just in the back of my mind. Because, yeah, you're right. The United States, for some reason over the years, that's just how it's played out. And at some point, your luck burns out. 
Right. And you get bitten in the ass by your own flaws. It's not like something is fundamentally broken. You know, it's not like, oh, well, Jill should have brought more youth or, oh, we didn't bring enough veterans. I think in terms of roster decisions, there's only one really that you would question. And of course, that's Megan Rapino. But the impact of bringing Rapino, just that one player, we saw in this game, it wasn't even like she was at 30 and then she was ready to step up at 45. She was still barely able to make 30. And I feel like that's something that the athletic trainers and stuff, that's not something that's going to catch you by surprise. You know someone's capabilities, like, and you know that someone can only go 30 for... Because she only went 30 a couple days ago. And so it's not yeah. like in the next three days, suddenly she's going to... I don't know why I was so foolish to think, oh, then she can step up to 45 and three days later, less than three days later. So when I guess they were expecting her to be able to contribute these little 30-minute chunks and for those to be good enough. But I think the Megan Rapino who can make that 30-minute chunk difference is one who's already able to play a full 90. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a Megan Rapino who has the confidence, right? Like not just the swagger and not just the attitude, but Megan Rapino who is confident that she can do what she wants to do. And that Megan Rapino was not there today. Like that Megan Rapino didn't play against Columbia. I don't think that she, yeah. horrible foul that she had outside the box that resulted in Columbia's first goal, that foul. Like, part of me is like, man, that should have been a red card, and then we wouldn't have had to deal with Pino today. <laughs> Once again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look at this game and say, oh, you know, this would have been the perfect game to sub in Heather O'Reilly. You shift Tobin Heath left. You have a lot of attacking momentum now on both wings. You can either hit the switch really easily or you can overload one side as you please, whatever you want. But like we said, there's a lot of little things building up to this game where you can go, I guess I can see that decision. And then cumulatively, I feel, I don't know. I don't know. Was the Megan Rapino decision the thing that tipped the scales? I can't say that was the one thing. There's a lot of things that happened. Switching gears. Switching gears. Okay. That was such a down. Canada. Let's end on an upper. Canada. Depending on how you feel about Canada. 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 Okay. So we had two games today in which one team was clearly dominant, but just didn't finish bullshit. And the other team that kind of like hung in there, gritted it out, and then took their chance when they saw it. And in the United States, Sweden, obviously it was Sweden, and in Canada, France, that team was Canada. And it was weird because France wears the same uniform as the United States, the same <laughs> Nike template, and they yeah. were wearing almost the same shade. It was like blue instead of white. And I was like, oh, God, this is too much. It's too soon. It was, I can't... It was too creepy. It yeah. was too creepy because even the shoulders, like at the the French jersey, it's like gray on the, on the shoulders, and the American one is platinum or something, <laughs> yeah, which me- makes it look sparkly like a swimsuit. So, yeah, I thought Canada did a great job of taking their chances. I think they actually probably could have gotten one more, you know, the, if a bounce goes their, their way, but um, on the other end... They stayed tough in the defense, and they got, I have to admit, a couple of lucky calls from the ref, because Kadisha Buchanan will not be controlled. Yeah, I mean, Canada plays a really physical game, right? And we've always known that. 
And that's part of the reason why we hate when the United States plays Canada, because we're always like, please don't hurt us. But I thought today's game was fairly even. Between just France in and terms, Canada? Ju- just in terms of, like, physicality. I thought I thought that France was kind of also giving it to him a little bit. And I was just surprised that Canada was doing so well, like, s- standing up to it. Yeah, I think France was more physical than they tend to be against Canada. They kind of were like, all right, if you want to go there, we'll go there. And then it felt like to me, I wasn't counting, but it felt like to me as the game wore on, the ref was giving more of those to Canada. And I was like, oh, I... This is a weird feeling. Canada's right. the one who's who's benefiting from all these physical challenges. Okay. I think that was a good look for Canada's youth. That was a good look for the way they're trying to turn over their roster. I think Jesse Fleming had a good game. I really like Janine Becky. I think Ashley Lawrence has a good future with this team. If Kadisha Buchanan can figure out how to not give up fouls in and around the 18, then I would welcome her to the adult squad. For now, she's still... <laughs> that kid who has a lot of talent, like raw talent and athleticism, but hasn't shaped it into the complete thing yet. I almost pooped my pants when Sink almost scored an own goal. Oh, God. I saw the slow-mo of that, and I was like, stop replaying this, all right? That would have been... <laughs> if Christine Sinclair, who loves Canada so much, she's probably just going to like dissolve into a pile of maple leaves when it's her time to leave this earth had scored an own goal on Canada and that resulted in them exiting the Olympics. I don't know emotionally, like <laughs> on top of well, and t- on top of the US loss. I I just would have you know? I so so here's how it was gonna play out in my head. Sink scores that goal, but it was after it was after uh Sophie had already scored hers. So now it's level one to one. But Sink is so fucking fired up and pissed off at herself for scoring that goal. She's like, I gotta make it up. Uh huh. And she just goes into like Sink power mode. She goes to the, she goes Super Saiyan, like Super Saiyan. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly she's got a brace, just kind of sort of on her own. I mean, she like, does. That's how I was envisioning. That's that what happening. she does in Olympics. Oh God, no Canada USA final though. I don't. But for the wrong reasons. Oh, God. Right. Oh. For completely the opposite reasons I would have anticipated. I mean, Canada plays Germany next, and they're not going to have Jose Belanger because she picked up a card, so she's out for semis. But but, but they're going to have Sink. They're going to have Sink. Hopefully and, they'll have Alicia Chapman I mean, back because she, she, sh- she injured her shoulder. Did you see that slow-mo with where uh, Camille Abelie kind of landed on her? Like, just kind of sat on her shoulder in midair yeah yeah and it's also like i'm sure so when is that game that game's on like tuesday right it's uh it's tuesday the 16th okay so i feel like that's enough time to like recover a bit yeah it's three full days i'm really excited for tank to be back out there too not that i particularly like her play (laughs) but she ate Germany alive. That, yeah. Right? It's and I'm like, she rested today, so she's on like six days of rest. Oh, yeah. She'll be fully, she should be 100, as 100% as Melissa Tancredi gets these days. <laughs> right? I mean, if she can like chiropractor herself, <laughs> then she'll be fine. All right. Big crack here. Right? 
She's just like bending over backwards in the training room and everybody's like cringing in horror. So that's Canada, Germany for one semi. And then Brazil and Australia have yet to play at the time we're recording this. They're about to go on. The winner of that will play Sweden. So are you going to pick Brazil or Australia here? I'm actually going to go with Brazil because home crowd and they're feeling it. I really want the Aussies to win. But I think I agree with you. Brazil has too many things in their favor. They've got momentum. Um, they aren't having Cristiane tonight, though, because she's out with injury, which sucks. But they, I think they have, you know, like with Andressa Alves and stuff, they have some decent young talent out there that can help pick up the slack. It's not going to be a 5-1 handling like Brazil did to Sweden, I think. I think it'll be a really fun game. This might be the matchup of quarterfinals, but... I'll call Brazil. So out of Brazil, Sweden, who do you think makes it to the final? God, I really, like, God, this is a Sophie's choice because I'm mad at Sweden right now. Uh Uh-huh. I really don't want good things for them, but I also really don't like Brazil. Yeah. And so I really just want Canada to win the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think Brazil is going to handle Sweden again. I think they're going to look at the performance today and be like, really? You guys couldn't beat that team? Okay. Sure. And but what if Sweden's fired up? What if, what if Sweden's fired up? It could be a But I mean Brazil's gonna just die of the whole game. We'll see. We'll see. I you know what I like about Marta? Marta I think it's an unfair amount of stick is basically the face of Brazilian soccer, but she's of all of them I feel like least likely to dive. Oh, totally. And when she does, like she when she does it's more like it's more dramatic in the sense like it's a climactic point in the match it's not just some like flop because yeah whatever yeah because the wind blew and oh my god my ankle broke much more tactical than yeah Yeah, she's she's just much uh smarter and timely about when she goes down Mm -hmm. and then out of canada germany Germany's another team that's been struggling. They beat China 1-0, and it took them a while to score on China. I mean, I got like so. It's weird, right? Uh-huh. You ask me, you 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 ask me about Germ or Brazil and Australia, and I go with logical. But then you ask me about Canada and Germany, and I go with my heart and say Canada. My heart said Canada over France. I tweeted. I was like, I think Canada's feeling it. They're having a lot of fun. They have no expectations. France had all the ex- It was the same thing again. France was expected to win, and Canada yeah. just had to not lose. It was, right. it was exactly the same dynamic, which was why it was so weird to watch. It's just, it was so weird. I was, And it was weird to watch without being, like, super emotionally invested. Like I was this morning. Like this morning, I was too emotionally invested. Yeah, I was su- I was surprisingly numb after the loss. I think it's because I had to hold it together to write the recap, and that was my period for losing it, and then I safely got past it, and now I'm like, just numb. Yeah, yeah you're like, I'm done for the day. I'm just watching colors on a TV screen. Mm-hmm. So Canada, Germany, I think if Germany continues to struggle... Even if Canada is missing Jose Belanger, and hopefully they get Alicia Chapman back, I would edge Canada. Now, if Canada is out both Chapman and Belanger, then I'm going to edge Germany and say that that might end up being a Brazil-Germany final, which how exciting for Brazil to get a fucking Brazil-Germany final again, but right. you know, for the Women's Olympic Tournament. 
<laughs> the country would explode. Right? The com- the country wouldn't know what to do with themselves. All the businesses would be shut down. Everyone would just be packed into the stadium and be like... Well, it looks like it's going that way for the boys, too. I mean, they recovered. Brazil picked it back up and Neymar was like, I'm done being mocked. It'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the the rest of this plays out. It'll it for me it's going to be interesting because now I'm not emotionally invested. So it's like oh it's a tournament. I can you just watch it for the soccer? Yeah, it's like watching it's like watching the men's World Cup for me now. Yeah. Okay. So head says Brazil Germany final. My heart says Canada Brazil final. <laughs> no, yeah. Canada Australia final. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say that heart. that would be painful. Heart says Canada Australia. And then I, I I would love it if, if Canada managed to, you know, medal better than the bronze they got in 2012. That would be great. If they make it to the final, like, I'm popping all the champagne. If they make it to the final, I will not be sober for the full length of the match. Like, I'm going to pregame and everything. If they make it to the final, I don't even know. I don't, e- I don't, at this point in time, I don't even know what I will do. Hmm. You know what? If Canada wins the gold medal in 2016... I will get a Canada-related tattoo somewhere on my body at some undetermined future time. That's so vague. I know. It's the most vague. The most vague promise I could ever make. I know, right? Hmm. Canada-related. Uh, I don't even know what my promise will be. Like, if Canada wins, I'll get a jersey. <laughs> I already got a jersey. It arrived in I time. Don't, so. I don't have a Canadian jersey. <gasps> we'll talk about that later. But for now... um. Any last hopes, thoughts on today's soccer for the rest of the tournament? Can we just not let Hope Solo talk to the media anymore? Oh, God. How do you not know to just push Hope Solo into the locker room and be like, no no comments from Hope tonight, thank you, and then, like, put Becky out there or something? Yeah, like, how... Just... Ugh. Like, Hope Solo said some controversial shit in 2012 after the semifinal when they won... You remember that? That whole, we made Christine Sinclair look good? Yeah. And what did you think she was going to say after a loss that booted them out of the quarterfinals? It was going to be one million times worse, and it was. All right, I'm saying this <sighs> without judgment of hope. I'm actually judging Aaron Heifetz or whoever's in charge of of comms today. Because... Absolutely. I'm like, put players out there that, yeah, everybody's going to be emotional, but let players who can keep it somewhat together talk to the press. The, that scenario you once proposed where he goes around with the pillowcase and he makes everyone put their cell phones in? He's like, All Yeah. Right. Like, how do you, how, how does security not get on Hope Solo right away and get her in the locker room? And then she has a punching bag she can take it all out on and you remove her SIM card from her phone. <laughs> Just let her think that she's actually texting, but she's, like, writing it all in a, in a Word document or whatever on her phone, and then you can delete it later. And she just yeah. it's not sending. Uh. Just let her get it all out like a rage diary. That's healthy yeah. and normal. Um, I definitely agree. My my criticism is on the, the, the PR staff for the women's national team because we know Hope is going to be emotional, especially after a loss. So I, I think next episode what we'll do is we'll talk more about Hope Solo in terms of, you know, the expectations we have for female athletes and how we expect them to present themselves in the media and perception and all that. But for now, pure emotion. Today was pure emotion. Yeah. 
Hey, are we going to talk about what I did today at halftime? What did you do at halftime today, Gab? I I talked to Mark Parsons. <gasps> Mark Parsons? All right, so this is uh, Gab. Um, I'm at Bozzy. It's halftime of USA Sweden. Um, and I am drinking a coffee and Baileys. Um, but I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, coach of the Portland Thorns, Mark Parsons. Mark, it's uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for saying yes to the interview. Um, I had no choice. <laughs> um, what were you drinking while watching the first half? Uh, a nice coffee from Barzi with some cream and uh, enjoying some good US soccer uh, but um, and almost spilt the coffee a few times because there were some close calls there but hopefully we can uh, we can grab one in the second half it would it would be nice right yeah for sure um, so summer break you're kind of like on summer vacation um, how did you guys had the thorns had a really fantastic run at the end of the season there um, you know going against Seattle uh, going against kind of the odds um, and uh, missing quite a significant portion of the team. How did you kind of prepare for that and prepare the team for, for that sort of run at the end? Yeah, one of the things we talked about after was that while it was 93 amazing minutes of, of, of hard work and concentration and, you know, we were up against it. We're playing a team that uh, has superstars all over the place and and we're, you know, the group that we had is very young and inexperienced, and we've only had before that game we had three games together. So uh, what we said afterwards was it wasn't 93 minutes of amazing work; it, that was five months of amazing work. And we had also talked about that a lot before that the work we're doing in month one and month three and month four. And you know, when when you know when uh, we've had some highs and lows, and when you have a low, I think that's when you see the character of players and you see characters of teams. And there'll be other times in, in earlier on in the season we've won a game but we weren't happy with performance or we tied a game we weren't happy. And it's always about how you react. And we had really grown from some situations earlier on in the season as a group. Uh, we, you know, we had a very disappointing result against Kansas. Uh, that was one that, we, that hurts us probably the most. Houston, it was bad, but it was also a really tough game. There was, there was circumstances being on the road at Houston and... Uh, the strategy we took, we, we had to score first. We conceded in six minutes. Now the game is always going to open up and run away from you unless you, you react quick. So in a way, you know, two two setbacks. But but I I, got, I felt more confident about the Seattle game than any other game because I'd seen the way the players had reacted to low points before, and they really rallied. We had that nice break that that week off in between. We had, so we had two weeks to prepare. Um, the best thing I could say about the players is that. Whatever they had to do to get that result, they were willing to do it. And I know we all think that that's what it should be, but it's not the case. It's not. You don't always have that. You have sometimes, you know, you have players who, or teams or coaches. You have you have other factors. They they want to do what makes them look good or what they think is important. And you know what? We didn't have. It wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the most beautiful soccer. It's not the soccer that. That Portland brought me here to play, or I came here to play. But there's there's four games in this season that we knew we we're going to be up against it with a, a young group that that hasn't had loads of time together. So we had to do what we had to do, and the commitment to do that from the players is one of the best is one of the best feelings that I've had as a coach because um, you know, there's a lot of hard work there, there's a lot of tough stuff, and really proud of the group. And it was also gives us a nice feeling going into this break. 
Absolutely. Uh, being in the stands, you know, I was super nervous for that match. Uh, it's Seattle. Seattle's not really our rival, but it's kind of like a derby. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like um, going in and and knowing that there there is a history, and we haven't had the best results against Seattle in the past. And but this is a new year. This is a new team. Um, if you could talk just a, a few minutes about just being in Portland and and uh, you know what. I, I know that you moved here around the time, uh, you know, of the NWSL final last year. You were you were here looking for for a place to live. Um, just kind of what uh, what drew you to Portland other than the Thorns, or was it was it all the Thorns and Merritt Paulson and Gavin Wilkinson? It was um, being closer to Gab and Two Drunk Fans podcast. <laughs> That's what it was. It drew me in, um, and I wasn't going to move to Boston, so I had to be Portland. Um, Sorry, Steph. Uh, so I got back from we pl- Washington played here at the end of the season. It was a sellout crowd, and I got to see a little bit more of the city than I normally do on that trip. And I got back, and I said to my wife, you know, we we got to get on holiday. We got to get to the West Coast, or well, let's head to Hawaii again. And but we got to stop in Portland. We mm-hmm. got. I need you to see this place. It's a beautiful place, and maybe there's a Timbers game. You can see that what the, the the soccer environment. But it, so it was. Yeah, the soccer was cool, but the city, the people the feeling there is around the place and then it was a, probably a week after you know no not a week after that it was a week after the the semi-final loss that Washington had against Seattle that I had first contact from from Gavin um, and now once I'd spoken to the owner at Washington and, and, and decided that, that I wanted to take the talk serious and I said to I, I you know she said to my wife that this is a kind of approached her and said hey you know that holiday we we're talking about going to Portland well we might not need to go on holiday we you know there's a chance to move there uh, so it was, it was, you know, coming to an organi- organization like this and being a part of, of the special um, foundations that, that Merritt, Gavin have built, previous players, previous coaches have built, and an opportunity to, to push that forward with the support of the best organization in the country um, is, is irresistible on the soccer side uh, as a place, as a city and a community and the people. Um, you know, it's important. I can be happy wherever. There's a ball moving. I can be happy. But this this is a place that makes me very happy. And more importantly, my wife and, and two-year-old. My wife had the best feeling in the world in the first few days of being here. You know, and it's like now um, when we're talking about my daughter's only two. We're talking about what school she's going to go to when she's five or six. And, you know, so hopefully uh, the girls keep doing well on the pitch so my wife gets her wish of staying here but it's it's just it's been the whole package and and the people in the city are, it's unique and something that, that I'm trying to take in absolutely um, so the match just started I can hear it kick off behind me but real fast what uh, one question I want to ask you just kind of a fun question what's the most Portland thing you've experienced so far um, just kind of the most oddball like you know it could have been a food you ate or a place you went or something like that that you're like that's only going to be in Portland uh, burger week at the moment so <laughs> how many I, burgers are you up to I haven't I haven't started yet oh. but I'm going to make up for it so the shepherd's pie burger at Kel that I saw I walked past I was walking past I took a look the way that that, that and then I started I went on the website and I looked at all the other type of burgers and um, there are some very creative and imaginative things I think that's that's super cool that's recent the most important thing is the um, I'm not sure what you call them but me and the staff as soon as we get out to warm up we're always taking every of the the small banners at the Thorn Stadium yeah and uh, I'm sorry to make it kind of on the soccer side but 
some of the imagination and uh, creativity in those banners is just incredible and we always talk about all of our staff we're always always uh, pointing them out and saying how did they think of that how did they think of this and we say only in Portland you know they're, they're pa- it's a combination of the passion for soccer to, to spend that time and help players feel important and support really good causes um, and then and then also just the creativity and the imagination it's um, yeah, it's it's special. So we, I think that's one of the cool things. We always have good fun checking out the the banners that are hanging um, at the stadium. Yeah, we have a lot of creative people in the Riveters. We have a lot of creative people just in Portland in general. And you know, I'm I'm really happy to have you here. Um, I really appreciate everything you've done to kind of turn the culture of this team around. Um, it looks like players are playing for fun now playing for each other um, where that hasn't always been the case and it's been pretty evident as a fan um, to kind of see the frustration or see see kind of the the silos of players playing for themselves and um, yeah I'm just really enjoying having you in Portland um, having a coach who's engaged in the community who's engaged um, in just growing us into really being Soccer City USA so thank you Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's been amazing to be a part of that on see, witnessing how much this means to the fans. And I do want to give two shouts on those banners. I was just thinking about it. Boo, the the 3D Boo-ray banner that had us in stitches, and um, Meg Morris. Uh, there was a Morris energy, I think. Yeah, the monster. like Monster Energy. Yeah, it's yeah. Morris energy. We're, and and also. It was just as she got the injury, so the, the timing for her to see that someone made something about her was really cool. Anyway, let's keep uh, let's keep this great vibe going and great support for the team. And and honestly, it means the world. It's not you know just just hearing the crowd and the cheering that inspires everyone, but that personal connection that and and from our side, we want the players to be able to do that as well. That personal connection making us feel the most important team in the world is pushes us to levels that the other teams you know they don't have that they, they can't do that and we we have so we're grateful yeah uh, from our perspective it's it's always a catch-22 because we create that that culture and that environment but then other teams come in and play it like an olympic final yeah well i'd say there's been there has been at least one case because i only ever spend time talking about things we can control but there was one game that i said to the team keep putting the ball in this area and and you know once the ball is in that area that that stand's going to suck that ball into the net just get it there and 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 they'll do the rest <laughs> and they and you guys did there was a game that the last one you saw that ball that ball got hung up Nadia got her nod into it and and you guys sucked we it we direct in. it yeah, exactly. we direct it yeah maybe that's what we need to work on the the next uh, crowd display is a big funnel <laughs> and we just we just funnel that ball into the net there you go all right thank you coach thank you take care so that was Gab talking to Portland Thorns head coach Mark Parsons at the half of USA Sweden. Good job, Gab. You just hang Thanks. out with all these, you know, just hobnobbing up there. I had yet to have my heart broken, so I was in a, in a fairly good mood. Well, we'll end the podcast on that upper then. <laughs> Everybody can kind of live in a dream world where it's still halftime of USA Sweden. Yes, let's let's live there. Okay, good night. Good night. 
Stop.